Look, I gotta tell this one time, bro. I just need quiet in the room for one time, bro. Look, this is the only time I ever almost died giving out a haircut to one of the biggest NBA players I ever cut at the time. <laughs> this is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Of the game. Welcome back, folks. I'm Andre. That's Evan. Yep, and this is point four, back again. E.T., uh, I've been noticing, but it's just brought to, it's been brought to my attention. Uh, you've been doing this on Twitter for a while. Now where you say, I hoop like blank, blank, for real. I love it. Uh, but enlighten some folks about how, about how they got started and what the hell you talking about? Nah, I used to just always just, uh, it's obviously it's a running joke, but somebody comes up and they're like, damn, like. Steph was lit last night. Steph just had 50. I'm like, low key shit. I hoop like Steph for real. Like, just meaning like I'm up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Like, right. Type okay. shit. They'd be like, yo, like, okay. Okay. Tatum's going crazy. Like, he's, he's balling. Like, shit, for real. I hoop like Tatum for real. Like, who the nicest you done seen? Like, you know, and it's just like a joking thing, but you shouldn't take it that serious. Certain people take it OD serious and try to be like, really, Evan? And it's like, no. Versus your friends, I could really hoop like Tatum for real. I versus <laughs> NBA dudes. But I kid you not, I could go like Jimmy, Dame, all those dudes versus local people. So it's almost so, like if you got an actor, thing. it's an actor who's got a, a brilliant performance. And anytime you you and your bag are you up, you say, and for real, in real life, I act like Denzel. Uh, word to mother, Brad. It's just like, no, we all got it paused inside of us. But it's just like, no, it means I'm up for real. Like, shit, they turned up, I'm turned up. I love it. <laughs> That's it. I love it. I know what you mean, so I actually enjoy when you tweet like that. But All right, before we get into the rest of this week's episode, this is where we remind you to look out for us on TikTok, IG, Substack, and the usuals at Point Forward. Also, mm -hmm. make sure you're catching us on Apple, YouTube, or wherever you listen to or watch podcasts. And appreciate you. Point Forward. So, Dre. Yes, sir. We got to talk about that 50 piece. That the that the honorable Steph Curry <laughs> pulled hey, off who, the game hey, seven. Who the game Jesus? Seven. Jesus? Hey, damn near GM. <laughs> I got him. Damn, why he's so turned up? Like that type thing. It's just so crazy, bruh. It's just so crazy when dudes really do it. Like, yeah. do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, man, this yeah. man. Like, we watching like a, a legend. Like, this dude is adding to a legacy. Like, it's literally. Uh, it's literally a joke, bro. Like, yeah, man. It was, and it was one of those quiet fifties where I looked up and somebody's like, "Man, he got thirty-two at the beginning of the third. I said, "Oh, he got thirty-two. It was just yeah. the best part about it all. The best part about it all was the one turnover. That's crazy. Yeah, because how many? And he had like six assists, right? I think he had seven assists, eight yeah, rebounds. Like it was, it was. Yeah, like, how do you whoa. get? Yeah, how do you get seven assists with your fifty? I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And then, and then the one turnover. Like I'm saying, how many times he's attacking? And he was in the paint every he was single paint. time too. That's yeah. what people don't understand. He was in the paint so much. Most people get nervous in those situations. You think about legacy on the line. You yep. think about like, yeah, that could be possibly your last time ever playing and all this and the other. And it's like, nah, his mindset is to go kill. And he enjoyed himself during that time. It reminded he was smiling. Me of, yeah, it reminded me of like watching The Last Dance and they're talking about MJ. And they're like, mm -hmm. you know, Mike, he was always in the present. Always in the present, no matter what. Like he always figured it out. And that was like some Steph Curry shit. Where, where do you put that amongst some of the best games? Because you've been around him since he's yeah. been turned up. Like, what do you think? So when we were in the locker room and somebody, you know, uh, shout out to Raymond Ritter. Raymond Ritter liked to work us to the bone on the media stuff, but yeah. he, he probably one of the best out there, like true story. Like Raymond's always on, on his game with his job, prepared, always giving us crazy stats. And so we were talking about um, 
you know, just game, game sevens. And somebody was like, that's the most points ever scored in a game seven. I'm like, no way. And when they confirmed it, I'm like, that's insane. And Steph didn't know. So Steph was like, what? And so like yeah. that brought a, another part to it. Um, yeah. But just, you know, obviously the OKC game, when yeah, you put up a full footer. court, yeah, 48 footer for, for game. I or, thought that was crazy. Um, yeah, some of the statement games he had in the finals. Um, 2015, I think he had a crazy game, game five, was it, yeah. at home? He had a big game. Um, what about 2016? What about 2016? Y'all come back versus OKC. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. I was in the building. I got chills in my body. When he hit the three and he That was game seven, too. Oh, that's game seven, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was game seven. He's like, we're not going home. Like he's screaming. He shot fake Kendrick. Uh, he shot fake Serge Ibaka. Shot the three. Turned around before oh, he, it went he, in. He hit him. Yeah. He shot it. Looked at him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. And yeah. then like, he, and then the last three he hit was just like that. The dagger. He goes to the crowd and starts screaming, "We're not going home!" Like, yeah. bro, I got chills yeah. in my body, dog. I re yeah. I remember sitting there and being like, bro, why does this man have me feeling like this? This is unbelievable. Yeah. Or game, Dude, game Dude is unreal, bro. four, game four in the finals last year, game four and six, both in Boston last year. Yeah, we were down, crazy. we went down two one, and he went crazy. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then game six, he was just like, throw that thing on, <laughs> add the other one in the third what quarter. Was <laughs> what about what was that? Twenty fifteen, he came back from the, the the leg injury, the knee injury versus uh, Portland. He went Portland, crazy yeah. in the overtime. That was yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like when yeah. you talk about I'm back, I'm back. Yeah, that was a crazy yeah. game too. Um, I don't know. He got a bunch of crazy games. Yeah, he got I mean, a bunch they, of crazy ones. The games that I wasn't there, um, the Dallas game in Dallas, he went crazy. The 60 pointer he put up on Portland, uh, where there's no fans at Chase. Uh, after yeah, Dame, after Dame said, uh, you know, he sees it's a little different now without all those guys. He's not yeah. into open shots. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. That was yeah. impressive. That, that was, was impressive. impressive. But for, I mean, for like that situation, for us to go down 0-2 and, you know, if it was any other team and we and they were down 0-2 and came back, especially versus us, it would be the greatest comeback of all time. But since we did it, it's, it's just like, all right, who y'all play next? And then start that narrative. It's, it's, it's almost insane how the narrative switch depending on who's in front of it. And I'm not talking about a particular player. I'm talking about the press in general. Yeah, no, how, of course. Yeah. I mean, the same thing that make, makes you laugh, makes you cry. Like, you know what I'm True. saying? Like, like they were on LeBron, they were on y'all side when they were on LeBron ass. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? True. For like years and you're sitting there and it's like, wait, so we're going to really sit up here and let Clay say, I guess LeBron got his feelings hurt. Like LeBron James, Clay Thompson. And we're legit, <laughs> like, you, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to draw narratives of just like the most stupidest thing on earth. And it's like, nah, the same thing that makes you laugh, makes you cry. I'm with it. I'm with it. Oh. We have this. This the second round is going to go by fast. It's only one day in between games, but uh, what Miami did was impressive to Milwaukee. Very impressive. Into uh, a Drew Holiday. Any anytime, like just I, like of course I know Giannis, but like I personally know Drew. So like, yes. if Drew's playing in a game, I'm taking all my money. Yeah. And betting the house on it, type shit. Like you yeah. know what I'm saying. So like. Yeah. I wasn't even shocked if a Jimmy Butler beat a Giannis or a Chris Middleton. I just know for sure, like, to take out a Drew Holiday, yeah. you're going to have to damn near kill that man or have an unbelievable series, which they did. Yeah. Without Tyler impressive. Hero. Without Tyler That's, Hero. And can, Vic. Can, can we use the culture or no? For? Is that the Heat culture or is that just Jimmy Butler? I think both. Because you, okay. you saw the way Gabe Vincent was playing. Duncan Robinson got in and gave him some big minutes. Uh, one of them games, he had some huge shots, huge and, shots. I'm, and he was dropping some dimes too. Yeah, and he he hit he hit uh, Drew with a hezzy, got to the rack, laid it up, and they were talking crazy <laughs> about how he put the ball on yeah. the ground. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, just their whole roster. I mean, Kevin Love hit some big shots. Um, Gabe I mean, Vincent. Gabe, Gabe Vincent was so good. Uh, Kyle Lowry, um, the way he played game one versus the Knicks uh, when Jimmy went down uh, from the ankle injury to close the game out. Uh, yeah. Bam, obviously, uh, Max, doesn't. Mm. Max Strauss, Chicago kid. Strews, Max Strews. Max shout Strews. out Chicago, Max Strews. Yeah, shout yeah. out Max Strews. That was, that was a good series to watch, man. And mm. second round series is going to be super interesting. Um, 
so I'll be watching that closely. Obviously, you know, um, know what's going on with CP uh, and what happened in uh, game two. Um, and, and that series going on is going to be super interesting too. So it's a great script to come up for a TV renewal, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, great, yeah. that's real. That's real. Point forward. Uh, speaking of Phoenix as well, um, something that I've been following a little bit, um, the Suns. The Suns are leaving cable and they're moving to local channels and they'll be streaming them for free uh, right out the gate. Um, but at the same time, you and I have been having discussions on the Sinclair Group, which uh, was the parent company of uh, Bally's, which was the RSN's regional sports networks. And Sinclair Broadcasting is a parent company of Bally. And they went bankrupt. Um, and so there were a bunch of NBA teams and some uh, MLB teams. They had rights to their regional sports games. And you have two types of TV deals. You have your national deals, which is your main games, which are from uh, TNT. Uh, I think Time Warner's over them now. Um, you also have ESPN, which is ABC. Um, and then obviously, uh, well, Turner, which is NBA TV. They have something they got going on with uh, uh, TNT as well. Um, so you got your national rights. Um, and then after that, you have your local rights. And so the majority of basketball-related income are really uh, TV's first, then ticketing. Uh, but with the regional sports networks going down, it was it's going to change the landscape of how we see TV. You're seeing viewership go down a little bit in the NBA, and I think that's from people are just watching the games a whole lot different. They're not sitting in front of TV. You see it on YouTube. You see it from shorts. You see it from highlights. I mean, even SportsCenter has a channel on Snapchat, TikTok, so on and so forth. Um, so what the Phoenix Suns are doing is building out basically their own direct-to-consumer streaming service. And uh, the new owner, Matt Ishbia, uh, he says the uh, Suns game will no longer be on cable and he plans to make it free to watch over the local, or over the air on local channels. Uh, basically, like I said before, direct-to-consumer streaming service. So it'll make the Suns and Mercury games available to nearly supposedly 2.8 million households across all That's three dope. of Arizona's Three media markets tripling the team's reach to fans who have been able to, unable to access the games through its previous distribution arrangement with a non-broadcast regional sports network. Um, so just a new way that we're starting to see uh, how we're adjusting to the, the consumer and the way they're consuming games. Uh, so just give me your thoughts on that and how you vision it going forward. I mean, I think it'd be cool. I mean, besides all the... The intricate parts, I think, is a dope way to get the casual fan. And, uh, you know, you, mm -hmm. you sometimes hear stories about, like, a dude in New York, like, yo, how'd you become a Cowboys fan? And it's like, oh, well, it's the only thing playing for free on, the, you know what I mean, on TV, on local channels. So I feel like with a new owner coming in and, you know, the Suns really trying to get back that fan base that was kind of, you know, lost after, like, the Nash era or whatever, yep. I think I think it's a natural, organic way to really, you know, put it, to the forefront and also to the second thought of people's minds if they keep doing this over years because they can access Suns games, Mercury games, and really, you know, start becoming, a, you know, adapt to that culture and, like, part of the community. Anything on local television back in the day, we watched Judge Judy. and True we story. Think, You know what I mean? Or, like, Judge Joe Mathis, and we think, or, you know what I mean? We we showed up with utmost respect. Ricky Lake, like, you understand what I'm saying? Montel Ricky Jordan. Lake! <laughs> yeah, Montel Williams, like R.I.P. Jerry Springer, like all that shit. Like, yeah, we swore up and down. We knew them personally. Like, I'm, I'm gonna shed a thought here when they, when Ricky Lake go out. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm into that. Jenny Jones, everything, bro. The, true story. True story. Yeah, was, so. that's how I became a, that's how I became a Braves fan. Braves were on TBS, um, which is Turner, which owned the team, which is you know the broadcast, uh, the headquarters are in Atlanta. Um, Chipper Jones, WGN. Yeah, 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 those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Carey, like Harry Carey, like you cared about Harry Carey, like Harry Carey dying meant something. And it was like, bro, I, yeah. I had no clue who, who Harry Carey was. He's just part, just a, the voice on the, the TV for the first 50 years of the Cubs. You know what I'm saying? Yep, 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 yep. So WGN, and I mean, people ask me about the Bulls, and I'm like, I watch the Bulls every game home and away because it was free to me because it came on WGN. Yeah. I think it was Channel 9 back in the day. 
It's crazy. I remember that. It was ten on that. That was thorough. That, man, yeah. that was that was clutch, bro. I was yeah, appreciative, was. especially considering like cable was nowhere in my sights. We had no all. cable. I, yeah. yeah, I think when we got Sports Center, I was close to fourth, fifth grade. It was like turn. It was like a new world. That's when we watched it nine times in a row. Point forward. Speaking of being disruptive or innovative, <laughs> we've oh. had discussions on this, fam. We've had a couple discussions on this. Kevin Garnett proposes all-star weekend rap tournament. And I, so on the KG podcast, uh, an interview with Point Forward alum, Bones Highland, KG suggested the format be the 10 best NBA rappers competing for a million dollars. And I said, I'm going to try to get in the Mac McClung way, if that's the case. All I got to do is beat Dollar. <laughs> nah, you get it. <laughs> All I gotta do is beat Dane, <laughs> or just get a just get. I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you take this one, man. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I always said I'm not with the rap stuff because I don't know what dudes are gonna rap about. But I think there's a lot of talented people in the NBA. I wouldn't be against an NBA talent show. Oh, talent show, I like. Like a talent show, like it's some random magicians. It's dudes that can actually sing. It's dudes that can really play the guitar. Like. I would be for that. Like, I feel like dudes would literally be, the same way we did the fashion week back in like, what, when was that, in New York? Yeah. Like that, I feel like people would show up to a two hour event on talent, like dudes' talents. So so what would your what would your talent, hidden talent be for the talent show? <laughs> I could roll my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have talent. <laughs> I don't have that. I don't know. You could do your, uh, you could do the, um, no, ask me about climax. Any... You could do the climax, uh, challenge. Go climax. I could do the climax Pulse. challenge. I could yeah, do there you go. Point forward. Why don't, why don't, why don't we have hood classics anymore? I guess the hood classics are, uh, the 50, the 50 shows. Yeah, I think so because nowadays it's you gotta make sure you got like the hood classics. It gotta be like a diverse background now. Like that, yeah. that, that go from a hood classic to just the world. You know what I mean? Now I've been hearing about Tubi a lot. Yeah. And all I hear is the jokes about how Tubi, you got nine different wigs <laughs> in the same scene. You know, you got the Ray J hat in the same scene put on six different ways. Uh, you know, the sound man shadow is in the scene. <laughs> I'm all right with it. If, if you if you don't like Tubi, you're not from the bootleg era. That's all it is. Bars. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bar. That's a bar. I've, I've never seen a Tubi show, but I've heard plenty about it on, on Black Twitter. Black Twitter's keeping Twitter alive. Shouts out yeah. to my peoples. Point forward. E.T., you and I agree on a lot of things, but not everything. So we've got to our down for that, clown for that segment. Where we, where we take a stance on trending subject and decide whether we are down for it or have to clown it. Ah, this is a good one. And I've been thinking about this one like for a, uh, since I heard it. So Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I still don't know how to say his name, Antetokounmpo, in a speech seen by 50 million people, it got 50 million views, impressive. He said wins and losses do not determine if a season was a success or a failure. I wouldn't sum it up like that. Yeah. Um, but his direct quote was, every year you work towards a goal, it's not a failure. It's steps towards success. There's always steps to it. Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years, were they a failure? Or is that what you're telling me? No. And so, um, yeah, we all saw it. Give me your stance. I mean, I'll, I take Giannis' side for this due to the simple fact that, like, when he won MVP, he's like, don't call me MVP until I, I'm a champ. Like, you understand what I'm saying? So he I did. believe he, ha he has a journey of what he's speaking on. That's for sure. And I think he does see the bigger picture because that's been his whole life. So I agree there's some truth behind that. But I also agree as well... Um, I mean, know if it's ring culture much more than just like obligations on when you're a consistent top five player or arguably the best player in the world. You have to, and your team, 
you can't get knocked out by the eighth seed that did the playing game. Like that's an unsuccessful thing, especially after going three or four years of never losing two games in a row. And you're supposed to be the best player here. Losing first round after having championship aspirations. It ain't a failure, but it's damn near something like it. Well, I think it was, it's been overshadowed for his sake by the Boston Bruins. Boy, them Caucasians were upset up Northeast. They had the greatest <laughs> regular season in NHL history, lost in the first round. Um, but in terms of the honest situation, I have a new level of respect for Giannis after hearing that. Because it, yeah, Giannis is really good at having really good English, picking when he has really good English. <laughs> yeah, like, like what Mike F said, he'd be like, no. <laughs> like, you, know, you understand Gay. English? No. Gay. <laughs> you want to go to jail? No. <laughs> no, but I, I, it was just, the way he expressed himself, I thought it was super dope. Because he, I saw Draymond do it once too. When you get those reporters who they constantly coming at you a certain way, and the first few times you kind of brush it off, like I don't know, man, your energy kind of off. Yeah. And Giannis brought it up. You know, you did this before to me. Like why every time? You know, like you're looking for opportunities to remind me that I failed. Why are you continuing to do this? And I think, you know, when, back in the day, you know, David Aldridge always say is like the blueprint to journalism. You know, I think he was fair. You know, when Mike made a mistake, he made sure that he spoke on it. When Mike was great, he made sure he showed him respect. But it was, it made the conversations a lot more, uh, honest and vulnerable as opposed yeah. to this it's, it's like, like now it's a consistent badgering back and forth like who's gonna get one up on the other and it's like okay i remember what i'm gonna remember this what you're trying to do and it's just this tension between the media and the players and i think it needs to change oh it's, it's you know we always speak on the you know the this new hype train where it has to be a headline you know the social media viral yeah. headline and it's not about the story anymore so when Giannis was just saying you know, every year you work towards a goal. And yeah, as athletes, we think we fail if we don't win a championship, but we also understand, you know, the process. We know why it didn't work out and we know what we need to do to yeah. change to try to figure out the next year. And that's what we're gonna try to do. So our best foot's always forward. And uh, we always say a loss isn't a loss, it's a lesson. You know, shout out to our royalty and the inspiration they bring to us. So um, they did get smacked in the first round, but, um, you know, I don't look at them as a failure or anything like that. Point forward. We feature guests that are billionaires and guests that are Hall of Famers, but we arguably never had a guest until now more in touch with Gen Z and more influential on social media. Without further talk, let me introduce my man, barber, life coach, media personality, Vic Blends. <laughs> So um, we are here live at uh, NBA All-Star Weekend 2023. Appreciate y'all coming out, supporting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, um, we at the uh, Michelin Ness pop-up shop. Shout out to Michelin Ness. Uh, parent company is Fanatics. Michael Rubin's doing his thing. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Shout out yeah, Lil yeah. Baby. Yeah, shout yeah, out Lil yeah, Baby. Yeah. Lil Baby yeah. was in the last deal. Shout out Lil Baby, yeah. yeah. So uh, we are here at the Point Forward podcast, uh, tapping in live from All-Star Weekend. Um, so excuse any noise you may hear in the back. Um, but we're excited to have a, a guest uh, join us who's done some amazing things and how he's come up. And, you know, in the society and the world we live in, social media is kind of taking a hold of us uh, for many different reasons. And so to see your path and to talk about where you come from, I'm really excited about it because you did it with an actual skill set and a talent. Um, so Vic Blintz, welcome to the set. Uh, I know you're close to you, E.T. Man. Welcome, Vic. Appreciate thank you, man. You, thank Thanks you, for thank coming, you. man. Uh, we usually start every interview with how'd you get here? And meaning like the backstory, like you're tied to the show, who you knew, that type of situation. So open I, up. I, I got here because of you. Yeah. And because and this dude is awesome too, but I got here because of you. Yeah. And a lot of people probably see this and it looks on camera like, man, it, what is he, either a barber 
You know, like what does he do? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's how we started, man. I I started knowing you as as uh, as a barber in Atlanta. Yeah. When yeah. you first came to the Hawks, and yeah. you were looking for a barber, so at the time I was cutting a couple of the players already on the Hawks, but we got linked up, and I knew it was something special because. Yeah. I don't know, man. You were a special dude. And I remember the love that you was giving me in the beginning was not like any other person that I've given a haircut to. There was something special about our relationship. And I think divine timing, especially when you meet certain people. So I believe that when I met you, I was supposed to meet you. Yeah. Trust me, bro. I cut a lot of NBA players. Right. I have cut a lot. Very few do I grow with. A lot I grow apart from. Yeah. But you're one of the special people in my life that... I actually grew with, and you yeah. showed me a lot of great things in my life that I needed to see at that age. But how I really got here, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, man. Yeah, I, I'm straight out the Ville, two six on my neck. You know, shout out my, you know, shout out to all the family from the Ville. They know who they are, but I'm from Fayetteville, man. It's a, it's a very small town, very not inner city, but it's like it's country as hell, man. Right. That's the only way you <laughs> right. say it's country right. as right. hell, yeah. man. But grow up out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, man. Yeah, and, and so I wanted to ask, you know, there's been a lot of chatter on social media about barbers in our space, you know, just NBA yeah. players, and we'll, we're going to touch on that. Pat Bev. <laughs> right. Jason Rose backed you up, though. He said $100, a, a real man should spend $100 a haircut. I at just least, saw that. I just, tweet, I just tweeted about at that. At the shop, showing up, at the shop. Well, I mean, it, it just depends because $100 a cut, there are barbers that are worth that, but I think what Jalen Rose is saying is that Obviously, he's a premium guy. Right. Yeah. He gets a premium haircut. Mm -hmm. Jalen Rose, a good brother, man. He's a good dude. Right. So when people see a $100 price tag next to something that we've never seen before, right, right a haircut, mm -hmm. which has traditionally been worth $20 over time for the last 20 years, right. bro, everything is getting more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Barbers have families, and they got goals of their own. Yeah. To limit a barber to their price because of... What you think they should be worth mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Because when y'all got contracts and y'all want fifty million, guess what? A barber just want a, a five more dollars, bro. <laughs> so you got it. You got to let them live, bro. You got to let them live because it's art, yeah. right? No, ain't no, no, no price on. Ain't no price on art. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's a there's a barber for everybody at every price point. Yes. Yeah, but so let's go back to the art. How'd you get into the art? I mean, you're a young kid from uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. I mean, a lot of your your clients are black from the black area. You grew up. Uh, Puerto Rican descent and a Russian mother. How'd you end up learning how to cut black hair and really break into that industry? Because you're one of the hottest barbers in the industry and you could charge $250, $300 for a cut. You cut little baby, NLE Chopper, some of our favorite people. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna just be real with you. It was never, I never pre planned it, right? I never said, ooh, I'm a white boy, I'm finna cut black hair. Like, bro, my first haircut and the only person to trust me was my brother Justin, who was a black man. Yeah. That's my first haircut I ever did. I grew up in a black barber shop at Barber Kings and Hope Mills. My OGs are from uh, from J Jamaica, from the islands. Yeah, like I don't really know how to answer that question other than being myself, right? Yeah. And other than being, a, you know, just a product of my environment. You know, I grew up around a lot of the similar things, right? So, like my neighborhood, specifically in Fayetteville, North Carolina, is a gentrified neighborhood. Yeah, my childhood home was two hundred thousand dollars. It's made out of plastic, man. Like, so, but to my friends and to a lot of people that I grew up with, me having a $200,000 home when they had $100,000 homes was like comparing two pieces of poop, essentially, right? It's like, right. oh man, you got it better than us. So, imposter syndrome was almost a thing that okay. I battled with as I was growing up right. because I'm just around being the same product of everything as everybody else, but. I'm told that I shouldn't be because of the way that I look or the way that I sound. So growing up in favor is really interesting, man. Cole describes it as a third world country. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, we kind of just a little bit uh, behind on everything, man. <laughs> it just takes a little longer to, for it to get to the village. It just right. takes a little bit, man. Right. right. So at what age did you know that you're like, okay, you're in Fayetteville. I met you in Atlanta. Like, what gave you that type of courage to not only jump into, like, well, the black community, I, cut hair, I'll be but to, on, I'll be honest to move, with, to move yeah, from, from I'm a be third real. world country to the A? I'm going to be real with y'all. Yeah. I never wanted to be a barber. No? Barbering was supposed to be a side hustle for me. Right. I didn't think barbers were as prestigious as I think about them now. Because I was only growing up seeing the barbers in my, in, in my neighborhood. Like, you know, 
living the way that we live. You know, it, it wasn't, I wanted a lot for myself at an early age. Mm -hmm. And not that I was hating or thought that barbering wasn't great enough. I ultimately ended up becoming that. But it started off like, man, I've been working in this restaurant for years. I've been washing dishes in the back of the restaurant since I was 15. I've been hustling since I was 14. You know, my dad taught me how to survive, man. I stopped asking my parents for money at 14 because my dad said a man provides for his own. Right. So I ain't never want to ask my parents for money to take my girl to the movies because I thought, like, all right, a man got to provide because yeah. that's all my dad knew, bro. So yeah. he could only teach me what he knows. So nobody in my family has made it to this point. So for me, originally, barbering was just supposed to be something I made 5 to $10 in the college dorms for. Yeah. I thought I had to go to college. My parents told me I had to go. School told me I had to go. Society told me I had to go. And I ain't never seen nobody other than Dennis Smith Jr. or J. Cole make it out the villa at that level. Yeah. So I'm looking around, searching for a mirror image for me to look up to. Right. I'm looking for somebody that's 17, 18, 19 years old doing some shit that I wanted to do. Yeah. I couldn't find it. So instead of waiting for somebody to save me out of my own city, you got to be the change that you want to see. Yeah. So I woke up every day and reminded myself, bro, if I, if I want to do it, you got to do it yourself. So that's where I got my survivor's mentality from. That's right. It's just forcing myself to create the opportunities that I dream for myself. So let's go to that because uh, we always say we have, uh, you know, survivor's remorse. What's, what's been the biggest struggle since, you know, you gotten over the hump of... Uh, you know, breaking into the barber industry and being a voice of Generation Z to now, because uh, it's night and day. You come from a third world country to being, you know, with NLE Chopper, to being represented by WME, right. to it's being big. here All-Star Weekend with Andre Iguodala. Like, that's night and day. So I, I'm going to be real with y'all. I didn't know I was Vic Blends till I made Forrest 30 on the 30 in December. Yeah. Vic Blends was supposed to be Victor Fontenay's that could do a good fade in the Ville. Yeah. He wasn't never supposed to really be this. He was, because God wrote it before me, but I didn't know I was even, I don't know, man. I didn't know I really was as large of a brand as I am today mm. until I saw myself made the Forbes list in December because I'm just being myself the whole way. Yeah. You know, so one day you wake up and people decide that you're worth a 50 million. One day you wake up from being from Chicago on the trailblazer. One day you wake up and you were two times, like... You did it because you knew you wanted to do it, yeah. but one day the world wakes up and they decide, all right, you're Andre Iguodala and you're Evan Turner. Boom. Now y'all got to live up to what we see y'all as. Right. Yeah. And for me, that is the hardest thing that I've been going through in the last couple of weeks because I looked in the mirror for the first time and I saw Vic Blends and I, and I never saw him before. So I've been trying to explain to my family and friends how I feel because it's a lot of exciting energy. Right. Mm. But I've been driving them crazy, bro. Right. My family and my closest people know I've been, I've been driving them all crazy because I've been trying to explain to 10, 15 people separately in individual conversations about, mm -hmm. and you know, E, you were one of the people I called. Yeah, yeah. You were one of the people I called. Yeah. And I've been calling you for a long time trying to figure this shit out. Right. So it is really new to me, but I, I did just start therapy a couple days ago, man. Yeah. I started therapy for the first time a couple days ago and it just feels really good to talk to a professional to, to remind you that you're not actually crazy and right. you're just going through a lot. So, yeah. right. Well, I will say, you know, I've been listening to uh, the written testimony. It's uh, Jay Electronica's, you know, his long album, right? And uh, Jay's on there. And then one one line that oh 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 oh, can I guess it? Go ahead. Can I guess it? You probably won't guess. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I guess it. Hold on, cause Jay's do it like this. Uh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, you say, and don't post a picture of me at the club. Uh, like we were tired of what was we was. Uh, if you can't go to my mama crib and give me a hug. Oh, that, no, that one's I've been I've been <laughs> no, no, I've been tapping on, I've been tapping in with that one. I've been, it's I've a been real testimony. But check this one out, right? It's uh, uh, Jay, Jay, Jay talking that shit. Jay Electronica said a lot of my cons come from my pros, and pros is a double entendre. So a lot of my you know as professional athletes or as entertainers who have made it in this type of celebrity, a lot of sad things and traumas come from it that people don't relate to. And so he's saying, you know, suffering from your success. Yes. But at the same time, he says, my cons come from our pros, meaning the good, bringing the bad. But at the same time, pros is in P-R-O-S-E. Me as a writer. That's crazy. Went crazy, right? <laughs> and so, you know, being able to express yourself through your art is a big thing. Um, how, do you, how do you find your peace or... Do you use cutting hair as a way to express yourself in your art to release 
you know, some things, because I play golf, and that's where I go to be in my happy place. Like, for you, have you been able to identify your happy place? And, and is it what you've gotten known for, going out and cutting strangers' hair? Is, was that something like therapy to you, too, to be able to have conversations with strangers and see if there's a rela- that, relatability? That, that, that's really what it is. Hey, side note, I seen E. Sweet working on his swing. <laughs> uh, he, Yeah, he's a real golfer. Um, but, you know, I'm going to be honest, Iggy, I don't really care to cut hair at all. Mm-hmm. It is a God-given gift. Mm-hmm. Is it the thing I need to do for the rest of my life? No. But I got a quote that changed my life. And that quote is, don't let what you're good at define who you are. Uh-huh. Who are you if you can't do what you're good at? So now y'all are coming into the second half of your lives, the second half of your careers. It's like, who is Andre if he can't hoop? Right. Who is E.T. if he can't hoop? Did you let the world only love you for that one thing? That's or did real. you redefine yourself and prove to the mm-hmm. world that you were more than that? Right. So I've been thinking that I've been proving to the world that I'm really more than a barber, man. Right. And I had a conversation with uh, my friend Bobby, which is, you know, his name is Logic. And he told me, hey, Vic, you know nobody wants a haircut from you? And I was like, for real? He was like, yes, bro. You are not who you are because you do a good fade. You talk to people. So I understand that my purpose on this earth is to change the way that people see other people. And I wake up every day chasing that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with you, and um, the first thing we wanted to do, we wanted to kind of do like the haircut situation, and Vic was like, yo, with all due respect, big bro, like, I'm really on some different shit. I'm trying to, you know, change my perception. I want to be the voice of Generation Z. When I'm sitting here, I'm like, yo, I'm proud of you, bro, because to be, you know, 22, 21, 22, and to halt that and change the direction, one, is risky, but for two, to have the courage to do that and then set out on your own. You know, you have your new uh, podcast, Deep Cut. You invest in yourself to really get your voice out there. And I always respected that type of confidence. And, you know, right now how you're moving and, you know, the voice of the Generation Z, where do you want to take that further? Like, like where do you see that going? Such a... Um, a loaded question. You know, question. because this it's a loaded question because I could sit here and I could talk to everybody on this podcast. I could talk to every viewer that's watching this shit. And I could talk to everybody in this crowd right now. And I could talk to y'all... Bro, I could talk to y'all for hours about the actual things that I'm going to do. I could tell y'all about the brands I'm building. I could tell y'all about the podcast I'm building. But I'm going to be real with y'all. Nothing, it, it doesn't matter if I don't know what I'm going to do today. All right? So I need y'all, even the people, because I'm talking to them now, it doesn't matter if you don't know what you got to do today. And that's why I built the brand Planted, because I feel like I'm rooted in my purpose, bro. And E, there's obviously a lot of things that we talk about that we chasing down right now. But it shit don't matter if you don't even know the, the vision that you need to do today. What does it matter what I'm going to do in five? I don't know. God will only know. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I told you, E, because I had the vision. Yeah. But I'd be lying to you if I knew God would actually give it to me 100% in the time that I expected it. Yeah. So I don't know what the next five years is at. But I know today I got to talk to y'all and just, we got to make sure that people get something that's worth hearing. Yeah, that's real. That's real. I, um, I want to go on to something like a little bit lighter. Let's talk about like your first celebrity haircut. What was that like and who was that? That was my brother, Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah? That was my brother, Dennis oh. Smith Jr., bro. I have never cut a celebrity in my life. I've never seen a celebrity in my life. <laughs> Actually, I've seen a couple. My first concert I ever went to was... Uh, Lil John. Lil John. I was living in Germany. Oh, oh, oh. you like 22 years I was li- <laughs> Because I was living in Germany. Uh, my dad was military. Yeah. Oh, you lived in Germany? That's what's up. My dad military, bro. Yeah, that's what's up. So I was born in Germany, raised in the Ville. So military stuff, you know. But so I'm a year into cutting hair, right? Like less than a year, probably. This dude's car breaks down in front of my mom's crib. Like he back there trying to fix it with a wrench, you know? And this dude buff as hell. Like swole. And then rail, body by rail. And I'm in my mom crib on my garage up doing cuts. And I see him working on his car. And I'm like, hey, man, like, you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And we just start chopping. And I used to pull the basketball uh, goal in front of my crib. My little brother, know, and we used to hoop in front of my crib. So the neighborhood yeah. will hoop at my crib because yeah. I'm the only one that had a goal. Yeah. Like the little pullout goal. Yeah, we, were, yeah. we were hooping that shit forever. So rail came over, started hooping with me and my little bro in front of the crib. 
I end up cutting him in the garage. And I live in Hope Mills. I don't live on like from TG Garden where like June and them from or I, don't, I you know, Brad, but like the, the Ville is small, bro. Yeah. You could drive 25 minutes to the other side. Right. But if you're on your side, you're on your, y'all know how it go. Right. I'm on my side. Right. So I don't know who Dennis Smith Jr. is. And, and rail in my garage, like, yeah, man. Yeah, my 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 athlete Dennis Smith Jr. He gonna go to the league. He gonna go to the league. He was uh, Dennis's off season trainer yeah, at the right, time yeah, when he right, would come yeah. home and they would do strength training together. And you know he telling me like, yeah, yeah, my boyfriend to go to the league. My boyfriend to go to the league. And mind you, like I told y'all earlier, I'm a server at a sports bar. I'm serving tables and shit, and I'm cutting hair in my mom's garage. So I'm hearing him like, I hear you, bro, but I don't really care. I'm trying to focus on this fade and make it out myself. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, because there's a lot of bout to bees, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot sure. of, oh, we finna do this. And right. so you just hear that in the field. And it's, <laughs> and it's not that I'm doubting nobody from my city, but it's right. like, hey, man, a lot of people got, the easiest thing for you to say is I'm gonna make a million dollars. Anybody right. can say that. So actions, right? So I'm working as a server, right? I'm sitting out there at the counter. Wait for my food. <laughs> Listen, bro. The NBA. What what year did, did Dennis get drafted? What year is this? Oh, what year is this? I'm too old. 16, 17. Yeah, 16, I'm right. 16, 16, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 26. I look up on the TV in the restaurant and I see number nine draft pick for the Dallas Mavericks out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, Dennis Smith Jr. And I got food in my hands. And I'm looking up like. Oh, bro, was not lying. Yeah. And I, I don't even know, bro. I don't even know June before. I don't know him. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, shit. Somebody really is making it right now. And remember, like, Cole is a little older than us. Yeah, so right. I didn't get a relationship with him yeah. till later. But so in the city, I'm just looking for the inspo. And I see June get drafted. And I, I and my mind just, like, exploded in the restaurant. So a week later after that... I'm sitting up there waiting for some more food at the counter, moving pizzas and shit, cutting in my mom's garage. Out the corner of my eye, my peripheral, I kind of just see this like tall ass dude just whoosh, walk past. And I look over I, and I go like this, because you can kind of see the bathroom. Yeah. And I see Dennis walk into the bathroom. So I get up, I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, oh shit. Man, I'm going to the back, bro. I'm going to the to, to the dudes in the back. Like, this is an NBA playing in the bathroom, bro. This an NBA playing in the bathroom, bro. This an NBA playing in the bathroom, bro. I'm about to make it. So I would keep my look, I would keep my business cards with me, bro. Oh, okay. I would okay. keep my business cards. Yes. So so motherfuckers used to come and get pizza, get their receipt, and then a little barber card with a receipt. And I try to finesse it like that for new clients. Oh, way of marketing. I'm not, I'm so, not no, that's what's up. So that's how I used to finesse the clients. And yeah. then um, so I knew I had business cards on me, and I'm like, man, it's my shot. If I don't do it right now, I may not see this dude again, bro. A prophet not welcome in their own land. Right. You gotta be careful coming home. This is a week after he got drafted. All right. So everybody knows he got drafted. Right. The whole city knows that this shit on smash, bro. He a, he a star. And I knew that I had to wait for him outside that bathroom. I'm the only one that knows he's in there. So I'm waiting kind of just not weird, but I'm kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm like, all right. Of course I'm not, not. I'm not waiting weird, y'all, but I'm kind of outside the bathroom. And I'm like, hey, when he get about this bathroom, I might got 30 seconds. Not even. To lock, not <laughs> even. I might got a couple words, bro. And I don't even know what to do. I'm like 18. I, I don't even know what to do, bro. I never met a celebrity in my life. So when he come out the bathroom, I look at him and I'm like, hey, ain't you real homeboy? That was a good plug. Right? Because yeah. I'm like, all right, off rip, everybody in the city know he Dennis Smith Jr. Right. But I'm like, hey, ain't you real homeboy? Somebody I knew that was close to him. Right. Somebody I knew that was, you got to know, right. you got to know who that is to know him. Yeah, yeah. So immediately he said like, yeah, it was good. But he said it like, all right, you talking about my people. Yeah. Like, you ain't just calling me no, like, all right, what's good? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't have nothing, I had nothing planned after that. <laughs> uh, I'm like, ah, uh, 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 well, shit, I'm a barber. I cut in my mom's garage, and I be giving Rella a haircut. Uh, I would like to give you a haircut. The first thing Dennis ever said to me after that was, we from the same city. So if you help me, I'm going to help you. 
That's real. That was the first thing he ever said to me. So after that, I tried to show him my haircuts. But it was one of those moments where your dad had stopped working. Yeah, the ring and I'm, my hand yeah, shaking. The ring my hand shaking. Yeah. I'm like, this my work. And nothing loading. Now people in the restaurant figuring it out. I'm like, y'all back the fuck up. This is my moment. <laughs> and I reach, I'm like, can I just give you a card, bro? Can I give you a card? He's like, yeah, give me your card. I'm going to hit you. I'm like, fuck, dude. He's not going to hit me. <laughs> I'm reaching my wallet. And y'all know I ain't no liar. I had one card left in my wallet. I give it to him. I'm like, I, I'll never see him again. He walk out and text me 10 minutes later. Yo, it's Dennis. Lock me in. Shit, man. I don't, you know, and that was, the rest is history, bro. That's beautiful. The rest is history. That's what's up. We take off here, and now the whole world knows Vic Blend. Yeah. So and Dennis and Dennis Smith back representing for North Carolina. Yeah, for the for the Hornets, he had a game of the year against us. Hey, he, man, matter of fact, killing us. He hey, he got a question. Oh, he got a question for y'all because I texted him before. Oh, what's the question? Question from Dennis Smith Jr. to Andre Iguodala and to Evan Turner. What is? Because I ain't gonna cap. I asked him because I ain't know what. The, I don't know nothing about basketball, bro. He said, after so many years in the league. How was your year-by-year -year approach to getting better? Oh, that's a great question. I think you got to just be it's more mentally sharp than anything. And for guys that have longevity in the league, it's not really about your skill set anymore. I always say once you get to 27, 28, you are who you are. Yeah. Like, you're not getting better. Yeah. You're not getting better at anything. What you mean, 2028? 20, like you, because it's, you're not it's, saying you peak though, no, right? What's no, your, I'm just saying you you know who you are. And it's your okay. athletic your like, role. Either you're a superstar or yeah. you're a second tier or you're a role player or you're the sixth man. Like And it's over. <laughs> like you're not getting a tighter handle. 27, 28? Yeah, you, you peak. I mean, it's your athletic prowess. Yeah, yeah, you're just gonna see it. Okay, yeah. You know okay. who you are. Like we yeah. know you we know you can shoot or we know you shouldn't be shooting. Yeah. We know you got post game, we know you don't have good footwork. Right. Like we know your strengths and weaknesses. And you can always work on your weaknesses to not be exploited as much, but you are who you are. And so at that point, it's all about longevity. And so yoga is like meditation. So you pick up that. Your eating habits, it's like, all right, I'm hitting 27, 28. How long do I want to play? What's my body composition look like? Now, for me, I'm taking blood tests every three, four months to learn, like... You still hooping? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm old as hell still playing in the NBA, right? Oh, wow. And so... <laughs> I didn't know. I, but, but I'm, taking, yeah, but I'm yeah. taking blood tests every two to three months to see what my body's deficient in. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I have an iron deficiency. So now I'm eating crazy kale and I'm eating dark leafy greens. And three months later, they're like, no, your iron's toxic because it's too high. And so now I had to find a middle ground. And so then you pick up on meditation. Um, and then you're picking up on just like mental habits. You know, like yeah. now I'm reading about uh, like what Tom Brady or what Mayweather's doing, like the guys who have longevity, I'm reading about what they're doing to keep my mind sharp. You know, I'm, I grew up around Kobe Bryant. We had the same agent. So I'm doing everything he's doing. And so now you're not working harder, but you're working smarter because I can't spend four hours on a court anymore, yeah. but I can get that same work in in one hour. Yeah, so, E, I mean, like for you, bro, because you did with nine years, right? Ten, ten, ten. Ten, yeah. a good ten piece. Yeah. Bro, that's a blessing first yeah. and foremost. No, no, absolutely. But talk to me like getting to ten, where are you at? What year are you in? 19. No, All right, shoot. so tell me the difference. How did you know you were a 10 player and you're a 20 player? Oh, no, I thought I was, gonna, I thought I was about to be a he 25. Can still play. I, I, I know he can. I, he took me to, bro, he took me to Chicago to the Michael Jordan training facility, bro. Oh, yeah, over there. I seen this man. I know nah, he can. Right. He can still play. Nah, but, Talk to me, man. But I think uh, you say you said different levels. I think the number one thing I went into each year was like the, the mental part. Yeah. And... uh open up capacity because everybody's journey is different. I started off in a situation where I was supposed to be a franchise guy to have to adapt my role. So a lot of times is uh, being able to buy in, understanding your situation, being aware of your situation, being vulnerable enough to know where you're at, and then building from there. Because in my head, I could be like, yo, I'm a 20-point dude. And they're like, yo, you're going to play 17 minutes. You're going to shoot four times. You're going to pass to the best player. So to me, I'm like, all right. What can I do to know my role, accept my role, but star in my role? Yeah. So if I'm if I'm the sixth man, I'm playing 22 minutes, I got to make sure I'm doing seven, five, and three. And then 22, it might not seem like nothing, but like when we're on the court, I control 10 or 12 minutes of the game. Yep. And it's like you go from being there to being like, all right, I'm no longer starting the game tonight at 7 p.m. My, 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 my night might start at 7.20. 
I got to figure it out and love that shit and then and be the best I can within those roles. So I think that's the biggest thing of uh, growing a capacity and how much you want to do it. The whole thing of retiring is just being like, all right, bro, I'm getting tired of just like shrinking, 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 right. shrinking, shrinking. And then you see you playing behind. It's like, man, hell no. <laughs> I'll just, you know what I mean? But I think the one thing about sports, you learn a lot about yourself and uh, yeah. the sacrifices you make that, that you do day in and day out, most people don't get on the regular. You're not getting criticized at a job every single day. Somebody might tell their homies, like, yo, you messed up my haircut, but when Iguodala is shooting 50% from the free throw line, that's a known thing, and that's something that follows them. Yeah. And that's what, no, but I'm just saying, you have to grow and, and grow, grow on it and make sure you, you know, you work it out, and each year you come back better and refined, and most importantly, somewhere you can help the team win. So. And we interviewing you. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking y'all. I'm trying to pick y'all brain. Yeah. That's, that's a great I'm question. Y'all brain. No, that's dope. That's nah, a great question. Appreciate you. No, nah, but you. we appreciate you, man. We appreciate everybody coming out. Uh, we think yeah. it was a dope. Uh, before we got, get out of here, I guess I want, want you to tell two quick short stories. Your most awkward haircut ever that you've ever given, which I think I know. And then your wish list for haircut, which I think <laughs> I know. But first... All right. Yeah, like you know, questions. I'm so happy you that. Almost, you almost dropped a lob. I threw him a lob. Oh, my God, bro. Yeah. I didn't almost drop a lob. I almost died. <laughs> All right. Let's make that clear, y'all. Can yeah. we get a quiet one time in here, bro? Because <laughs> when I tell this story, I just want to get it out one time because people yeah. always ask me this. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, but thank you for telling it. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one I can tell this to. Yeah. All right, everybody, listen. Everybody. All right, look. I got to tell this one time, bro. I just need quiet in the room for one time, bro. Look, this is the only time <laughs> I ever almost died giving out a haircut. So one of the biggest NBA players I ever cut at the time, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> D'Angelo. D'Lo. You're in Atlanta. Karma. Bro, no. I'm in North Carolina. Oh, oh, you were in North Carolina. I'm in Fayetteville visiting my mom. This is crazy. I just moved to Atlanta. E.T. hits me, and he like, yo, I got somebody for you. I'm like, who you got? He said, my homie D-Lo is in Atlanta playing the Hawks. He's with the Warriors. Uh, he was with the Warriors. He need a cut. I'm looking at my – look, I ain't even – I don't even – I'm looking at the time. I'm like, all right. I'm in, I'm in the Ville. It's going to take me – Six hours to get to Atlanta. I remember, I, this is true. This is very true. This it's going to take me true. six hours to get to Atlanta. What time he play? Right, what? Four? He had to yeah, be there about like, three. Call, three. Yeah. He's gonna leave he had to leave by four. Yeah, something right? Like that. I got an hour if I can make it by three. E.T. hit me at like 8, 9 a.m. If I drive right now, Dolo, straight to the Atlanta. Yeah, and I was like, bro, you only got to do it. I said, no, 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 I'm coming. Literally pulled up. I bro, I done yeah. did some shit for some NBA players yeah. before, believe me. Yeah. I'll tell y'all right after. So look, I get in my car, I drive a 2013 Chevy Malibu, and I'm driving. And when I woke up in the morning, my stomach felt a little off. But I'm not sick, right? I ain't go, I would never go cut no NBA players sick. Like, that's ridiculous, bro. That right. is so unprofessional and selfish of me to go do. Yeah. I know we got a game. I wouldn't even take the call if I knew I was sick. Right. That's the one thing I would not go cut an athlete feeling like. Right. But I woke up in the morning like, ah, something in my stomach. Just going to hit the toilet or whatever. I'm going to be good. So I start driving six hours, right? Every hour I'm getting closer to Atlanta, stomach starts feeling worse. I'm like, damn. I'm starting to sweat in the car and shit. I'm like, fuck. I got the BGs. <laughs> the bubble guts. <laughs> but I know that I ain't got no time to spare. I ain't even got... 10 minutes ago to my apartment and go poop and nothing. Right. I have no time, bro. Because I just knew I made a promise to my brother. Yeah. I know I got a superstar waiting for me to cut him. I'm like, whatever my body feeling like right now, it's not what I need to do. So I could push through this shit. So I get to uh, my barber shop. I get my tools. And I knew when I got outside my car to the bar, when I made it to Atlanta, I knew I should not be doing this shit. Yeah. I knew it, bro. This was not what I need to be doing right now. But I know I can't 
drop an alley-oop for my, for my boy. Yeah. He threw the lob, bro. You cannot, if a, bro, when Wade threw Bron the lob, you can't not. Right. <laughs> you got to make it. So yeah. I'm like, I right, bet this could change my life if I do it right. That's what I was thinking, right? My mind was like, every cut would change my life. So I get to the, the hotel. And, bro, I'm twisted. Like, I know it. I'm like, my stomach is on fire. I'm like, I ain't eat nothing. I drove six hours straight. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't do nothing. I got to go do this cut. So, luckily, D-Lo was just playing, like, some Call of Duty and, like, chilling and playing some Nipsey Hustle on, uh, on the speaker. And it's just like, it's chill, but it's just me and it's just D-Lo. And it's a one-bedroom apart uh, oh, a hotel room. There ain't nowhere to go, bro. Yeah. There ain't nowhere. To, there's only one bathroom. There's only one everything. It's just you're just in. The, you're just there playing. Right. So I get in there and D'Lo get a bald fade. So you know when you get a bald fade, you gotta put the fade line in yeah. and it look all harsh. And it's like, you know, you gotta start the fade like that by by putting the line in and cutting yeah. all the bald. So it look crazy. Right. So. I'm a, I'm a big talker, but I knew I didn't even have words to talk to D-Lo. So I'm in there, I'm in there quiet as hell. Yeah. Just like trying to use everything I got in my body to get this fade done and get the fuck out. Right. <laughs> I get the ball line in. I kid y'all not. I start going blind. <laughs> Listen to me, bruh. Listen to me, bruh. Listen to me, bro. <laughs> I start losing vision. Yo, 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 yo bubblies is like that. Bro, it was everything. It was my body telling me to relax. Yeah. I start getting dizzy. I start feeling like I'm about to pass out. I can't see his head. He got the ball line in his head. He about to go play the Hawks. It's D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, bro, you got a bathroom? Knowing damn well there's only one bathroom right there. Yeah. He, like, he like, yeah, bro, go use the bathroom. Playing Call of Duty. I go in there, I go in the bathroom. I ain't gonna say all the details in, in vo vulgarity, but I start going number two, and I start throwing up at the same time on the toilet. So I'm on the toilet like this, doing what I gotta do for my stomach but it's also coming out my mouth at the same time. So I'm like this between, between my legs <laughs> in the bathroom. And I was this close to calling my friend, Ch another barber, my boy Chance in the city to come finish the cut. Yeah. So I look in the mirror and I'm like, all right, Vic, this do or die. <laughs> so look, I start chugging the sink water. I start chugging the sink water. That's smart. I hit the sink water. I'm like. <sighs> I chug the sink water. I look myself in the mirror. I'm like, go do what you got to do, bro. <laughs> Quiet ass haircut. Fucking. I, I don't even know how good the cut was. No. Quiet ass cut. And I like. Well, he like, d like, you going to come to the game? I'm like, nah. <laughs> yo, so, yo, so after that. I hit D-Lo, D-Lo's like, yeah, you hooked me up, whatever. So I hit Vic up, I'm like, yo, appreciate you doing that, we'll have to bam. And he's like, yeah, no problem. He ain't say shit to you? And, <laughs> and I'm like, nah, he's like, he ain't say nothing at all. And I'm like, what you mean? So he's like, he ain't say nothing, like, about his bathroom? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, bro, this is what happened. I said, bro, you did all that up in his bathroom? He's like, bro, yes, he didn't say shit. I said, bro, he said nothing. He's like, man, well, good, because I almost died up there. <laughs> So bro, again, thank you. <laughs> bro, I want to, I want to, <laughs> I wanted to make it so bad in my life, y'all. Yeah. I need y'all to know that. That's real. I ain't never want to, I, I wanted to make it so bad, bro. Like more than I, and that's why I'm in this special place right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why my family has seen me go through a lot of really uncomfortable changes and I had to get into therapy. Yeah. It's because I wanted to make it so bad. That um, I didn't love myself in the process. Right. I loved everybody else more than me because I believed that other people would make me successful. Yeah. And that opportunities like that would define my career. But they really just define my character. Right. Yeah. But I thought they would define my career. I thought every game, every haircut, every chance that I had to 
show the world who I am would define me, but that's not true. It's all about your character. Yeah. So I just want to thank y'all both, bro, for E. Bro, you changed my life, man. You got to know that. You know that. It's all love. You a humble dude. But look at me, bro. Look at me, bro. You changed my life. When I got around you, you said what? What'd you say? I want the world to hear from you. What'd you say? I always say it's not serious. It's not cocky. But what'd you tell me? I always say there's two things you can do when you mess with me. Become rich or famous. (laughs) (laughs) I like uh, it. God damn it. You (laughs) gave me both of them, you motherfucker, bro. You fucking No, you did it. You did it. You did it. Bro, so you, bro, thank you, bro. I appreciate you. You've been real. We appreciate the honesty. It's definitely appreciate the vulnerability. Iggy, bro. Obviously, bro. Look, you're a little older than me, bro, but, bro, trust me, I'm a kid and I watch a lot of damn basketball. You are one of the most special people that ever touched the game, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much for answering that question for my brother Dennis and and for the world. Yes, sir. But I know my, you know, that really means a lot to the city, to the home, to the heart. It means a lot to me. And, um, man, thank y'all so much, bro, for Appreciate real. Appreciate you, fam. Yo, yes. Thank Vic for coming out, man. Appreciate y'all.